Podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Lilly, and I'm here with my friend Jonathan Frizz. And we are excited to talk about his new book, 10 Days. And we are also excited to share an announcement if you have not heard yet about a new media and publishing company that we are launching with the release of his book, as well as the release of my book on enjoying prayer. So, Jonathan, welcome. Great to be with you, Matthew. Yeah, man, tell us what's brewing. Well, I want to get into the book with you, but uh, we're releasing books together in October under the banner of Presence Pioneers Media. So yeah, talk to me about this. Yeah, I loved your book, David's Tabernacle. It just really hit home for me, explained a lot of things biblically that, you know, just I had kind of understood more intuitively, but not really had biblical language for it. So you approached me, I think it was February or March, and just said, hey, what would you consider starting a publishing company together? And, you know, it sounded fun. It sounded exciting. You know, you and I are, have been friends for a while, and I'm always, like, excited when we get to do things together. And it just fit with some of what God had been speaking to me about, looking for that he was going to bring unexpected opportunities that would be enjoyable, that would involve working with friends and, um, you know, more than that, I just really sensed a need that doing this new media publishing company could really be something that would strengthen and encourage prayer movements, um, that would serve emerging authors. So, you know, I know a lot of us were, we're both kind of in that like late thirties, early forties age where we've been doing what we've been doing for a while now. And a lot of our friends are kind of that same age range where they may be, hey, I'm, I'm going to actually write a book now or something like that. Anyway, it just seemed like a, a great idea. And I know we weren't always sure it was going to happen, but it's exciting. Here we are. We're getting ready to release the books together on October 10th and at least take a small step towards starting this company. Yeah. Can't wait. This is exciting. I'm stirred, man, and feel like God's heart is really to equip his church and invite his church into his presence, into the place of prayer to minister to him, and then to get sent out to change the world and see revival and see awakening in the nations. And I think anything we can do to resource, equip, and encourage that, to me, is fantastic. So I'd love to hear about your new book. People at least that listen to the Presence Pioneers podcast may or may not know who you are, but your book is so connected to 10 Days, your ministry that you lead and that you founded. That's actually the name of your ministry and the name of your book. So yeah, maybe just give a brief intro and just like what 10 days is or a quick summary, and then we can maybe get into the book specifically, if that's all right. Sure. Yeah. So 10 days is based on a vision God gave me almost 20 years ago, where I saw entire cities stopping during the 10 days of awe from the day of trumpets to the day of atonement. And cities were stopped. People were worshiping Jesus coming together in unity. was a pretty incredible vision experience. And I felt like God wanted to do this all over the world. And so, yeah, since then, I've been trying to see that happen through fits and starts. <laughs> <laughs> you know, this last year, 2022, we had around 300 locations wow. around the world that were hosting a 10-day prayer meeting during those days. 
And so God has really kind of grown from that initial vision into kind of a, a movement of people that are praying together in an extraordinary way. So the book itself is kind of telling the story of how that happened. Amazing. You've been doing this for some years now. Why did you suddenly decide to write a book about it? This is your first book. This is my first book. Yeah, actually, the night I got the vision of 10 days, God was like speaking to me like, you're going to write a book. Hmm. The very first night. Very first night. And I've gotten, you know, as you do, different prophetic words about it and different things like that over the years. And I've actually probably tried to start it three or four times before now and just didn't take. In terms of the motivation, though, of why to write it, you know, there's there's probably like two or three main motivations. One is we've just seen a lot of amazing things happen over the last 20 years. And I wanted to chronicle those things. I just wanted to record what happened so that other people could know what had happened. And that people that do 10 days in the future, people involved in the prayer movement, whether they ever do 10 days or not, but just so they could see, okay, these are things that happen. And so one element was just like, I just want to have a history written down of what's taken place. But probably the bigger and closer to my heart reason was the way I, I think about it is it's for the kids, you know, people that are walking with the Lord, that are cultivating something special in the secret place already. I wanted to share what that looked like to walk with the Lord, kind of closely following him, pursuing something with him over an extended period of time, because the journey's been so challenging and so hard. There's a lot of things I wish I had known. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that this could both be uh, just an encouragement to people that are walking with God that way to persevere and to, to help grow their faith, but also, you know, even an opportunity to, to not make some of the mistakes that I made along the way, which were painful and uh, have left marks. <laughs> right. Yeah. And I'd love to, to maybe hear about a few of those on the, uh, on the podcast today. So you're saying as people check out this book, number one, it's going to be exciting stories, but it's more than just sort of the potential entertainment value. The goal is that people would sort of find their own story and get caught, you know, and take steps of faith for their own. Yeah, absolutely. God is calling all of us. And I think one of the beauties of the new covenant that, you know, Acts 2 really points out is that the Holy Spirit is for everyone mm. and for every believer. There's not like an elite class or anything. It's not like prophets, priests, and kings. It's like we're all being given the Holy Spirit. And, and so everyone has their own walk with the Lord. It's going to look very different than my life has looked. But there are certain things that are, are very consistent. And one of the things that was shocking to me as I started my journey with the Lord, like I started experiencing personal revival. Everything was brand new. I was like, wow, this is amazing. God is real, miracles are happening, crazy stuff is happening. And then shortly after this, within two years of this happening, this personal revival, I experienced a massive burnout mm. and I was worse off than ever before prior to this. Wow. <laughs> and I was completely confused about what had happened. Like I had no idea why this had happened. And later on after a variety of things happened, but one of the things that happened is I started studying revival history, and I realized not only was I not the first person to experience this, 
but that this had happened consistently throughout history, that people have had these kind of incredible experiences with God, and then things had gone south in that same way, and that everything that I had experienced was entirely predictable. And I was like, whoa, this was mystifying to me, and now I'm understanding this has happened thousands of times before. It's predictable. It's avoidable. And so anyway, some of the things I think I'd like to share with folks, because I think if you're passionate for God, you're going to have those kind of experiences or or be in danger of them. It's not maybe the norm, like maybe the normal danger for believers is being lukewarm or passionate about your faith. But if you are passionate about your faith, Mm. if you are walking with the Holy Spirit, it's like now your, your set of problems is entirely different from prior to that. Yeah. Let's do the good news, bad news thing here. And it's usually <laughs> usually good to get the bad news first. So, you know, give us an example. What what is a what is a story that was challenging? I mean, you said you kind of had this personal moment a couple of years after a personal revival of a challenge, but but give us an example of a major hiccup or a big challenge or a roadblock or something that you hit along the way. Sure. I mean, one example in my zeal for God, I was all uh, gas and no brakes. Mm. And I really believed God was going to send revival to America imminently. Right. And, you know, like God had called me to do this. And so one of the things I did early on is I would get very forceful, very judgmental in my presentation. One of the stories I share in the book is how I had to be physically restrained from walking into a well-known public ministry who will remain anonymous and like just standing on a table and starting to rebuke them. You know, like this is like, this is the kind of thing I wanted to do uh, at certain points. Thankfully had, you know, friends around me who were like, stop. But I really thought, oh, they're just not holy enough. They're not intense enough. Right. They're not committed enough. So situations like that are some of the, you know, some of the dumb things I've done or almost done in my life. And, uh, <laughs> oh my but I, I think maybe not to that extreme, everyone's not going to go to that extreme or, or be tempted to that extreme, but there are definitely similarities, you know, that, that other people have experienced. Yeah. That's funny. You know, that, that's a, that's a good example. You said earlier, you know, we're, we're all tempted to be lukewarm, passive in our faith, but when we get zealous in our faith, there's a whole nother set of temptations that come with that as well. I guess like <laughs> barging into large ministries and jumping on the table. <laughs> and yeah, and, and just starting to rebuke them for their sins. I mean that's hilarious. What was I thinking? I don't know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, you know, there's there's some bad news. But I know I know there's some good news too. I know you've seen miracles, amazing things happen. Yeah, give give us an example of that of something a story from the book. I know there's going to be a lot of stories in your book, but give us an example of something awesome that that God has done in the midst of all this. Yeah, I share a variety of ways that God has really showed up through extended seasons of prayer. And so there's one takeaway. It's that a tool in our repertoire needs to be these extended seasons of catalytic prayer where we just clear our schedules and seek God with other believers. And one of the cool stories in the book is, and it actually happens several times. So this pattern gets repeated several times, but I learn about 
transforming revival that's taking place in the nation of Fiji, uh, where they are experiencing some incredible signs and wonders, rivers that were poisoned being healed. Wow. One of the stories I relate in the book is how essentially in one place, the whole village witnessed essentially like a supernatural fireball drop from heaven, burn <laughs> in a coral reef for a period of like 30 minutes. The reef had died. And then when the, when the fire, whatever it was, ascended and left, the reef had come back to life. It was filled with fish. You know, and this is like witnessed by hundreds of people. Like this isn't just like, it's a crazy testimony. And so this was really inspiring. And there were particular patterns that they were bearing witness to seeing happen. And one of the cool things was I realized, wow, these transformation stories are basically doing exactly what God showed me with 10 days, Mm. uh, which is they would like shut down the economic activity of a village. They would have everyone just, you know, devote themselves to prayer for seven to 10 days. I'm hearing this. I'm like, wow, sounds very familiar. Um, (laughs) They'd pray three times a day. They'd they'd repent. They'd get rid of idols, literally, because this is a, you know, tribal context. Um, They'd make peace between people, reconcile. And then usually around the seventh day, they said God would come to town. And after that, his presence would be so incredibly strong. Miracles would be very common. And then oftentimes there would be a natural sign of what happened, like rain, or in in the case I just mentioned, it was fire. And so, you know, this pattern from Fiji really inspired me. And in 2008, we were doing 10 days and it wasn't going the way I wanted. We were doing it in a retreat context. We had a group of people set apart seeking the Lord. And then on the seventh day, there was an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that started. Uh, I don't want to ruin the whole story, but by the end of the night, I realized we're actually experiencing the same pattern as what the people in Fiji experienced right here in a Western context Mm. uh, in Massachusetts of all places. We're seeing God bring transforming revival. Uh, So that's an example of some of the, you know, just things that 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 we've been able to see positively, and we've been able to see that happen at a citywide level in at least one instance that I'm familiar with. And that story is also told in the book. So yeah, that's one of the one of the good stories in there. Yeah, that's incredible. I haven't gotten to read all the stories. I've only read the first gotten to read the first chapter of I think it's an un- unedited version of it, but I was sucked in to the story of the launch of, of 10 days and you're kind of the journey God had you on in the early years. And so I'm excited to, to read the rest of it. And I would encourage everyone to obviously get a copy of, of the book. I believe if I remember your history, right, there was a, there was a initial time with 10 days when you were sort of doing it locally in one location, but then there was a, a moment where it expanded beyond sort of your your local area. And now, as you said earlier, it's in hundreds of locations around the world. Yeah, maybe talk to us about that. Didn't you kind of set the book up where there's a couple sections in that way? Yeah, yeah. So the book is kind of in two sections. The first part is essentially it's the first seven years when we were trying to just do it ourselves. And actually, we didn't start out trying to do it ourselves. We started out trying to do the whole vision all at once okay. in the first year. Yeah, And that didn't work. That's when I was getting crazy. And, but 
around 2012, 10 Days started to multiply in different cities very organically. And I just realized, oh, this is what God showed me. So in the book, I really kind of walk the reader through basically my process of how do we grow? How do we do this? And keep in mind, like, we have no money. We have no, like, marketing team. We have, you know, really, like, no paid staff. And, you know, so all the kind of things you'd normally think of that you'd want to do to launch a movement kind of weren't there. And Hmm. it was just a matter of listening to the Lord. And it was always kind of like, okay, I don't know how to do this. How do we do this? God would give some insights. God would give some connections. So it's uh, in the, yeah, in the second half of the book, it really does focus on how the movement grew. And it wasn't just growing in numbers. It was also growing in depth of expression. And so kind of continually throughout this process, I've been coming back to the original vision. Okay, Lord, oh, I'm seeing a piece of it here. This is really good, but it's missing this piece over here. So now I start praying for that piece. And and some of that expression is really showed in the book, how there's kind of this constant wrestling with, okay, this is good, but God also wants this and how to kind of be thankful and yet also, um, you know, asking God for more. And and what's amazing to me in reflecting on the journey is it seems like, like you're always praying for what's going to happen a ways down the line is one way to think about it. Like, yeah. so those really deep desires are kind of coming up and then it'll be a while before the fulfillment of that comes. Uh, but that seems to be part of how God leads us as we're, as we're walking in faith. The things we're kind of crying out for, you know, are the things that are coming future. One other theme that kind of emerged just really organically to me was it's kind of the idea of the parable Jesus says like that when you come into a banquet, don't go for the highest seat, take the low seat, and then the head of the banquet will invite you up to sit higher. And one thing that kind of was clear as I went through the story was just every time we were seeing advancement, there was this humility and service and going low that was really like preceding that. Mm -hmm. Would you say that that was not there in the early years? In you or because you, I mean, jumping on the tables and rebuking everybody just contrasted with, you know, humility going low. I don't know. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, definitely the, the interesting thing was in the early part, I wanted to do that. I definitely got that. But definitely, yeah. I mean, there's definitely pride, obviously. Of course. <laughs> if you're if there's you're a- thinking about like doing something crazy like that, you're you're sort of like definitely moving into pride at some point. But I think it's evident even in kind of the earlier stages of growth where you see there's kind of a glowing low moment and then God will bring a breakthrough. But to me, just in the story anyway, it really became clear in the second part that that was just as a real clear theme. It's it's tricky too. It's hard to know when you're leading a movement or you're leading a group of people, like you want to do normal things and not feel bad about, hey, we're going to call people to do this thing. We're going to promote it. We're going to, right. you know, make people aware of what's happening. We're going to do these, you know, just basically like normal things to say like, hey, we're doing something. Yeah. But at the same time, it does seem like a lot of times it's these moments where God is just like, hey, take the low seat that really kind of propel things to another level. 
I don't know. It's a, it's a very interesting dynamic of the kingdom. And certainly Jesus understood that. And we see that in his life. Yeah. So I think that would be one of the takeaways. You said, you said earlier something about how part, one of the audiences for the book would be people that were maybe like you when you were younger that aren't as far along in the journey and can learn sort of what you wish you had known 15, 20 years ago. And maybe that that's one of the lessons in there, right? Go low, go humble, stay meek. And then the other thing I pull out of uh, what you were what you were sharing earlier was you know you were faithful with just doing it in your city, and then God began to to expand it beyond that. But you had to just start where you were, and then He started adding on all these little pieces. And like you said, many times we want to jump ahead to what's the final vision. Let's go there. This is what God said, but there's going to be fifty to hundred steps between here and there right. on the way. Yeah, when I when I first started, I thought the whole vision God had showed me was going to happen that year. Right. So I had a one year timeline for completing it. <laughs> and you were, you were how old at this point? I was 23. Yeah. That yeah. sounds about right. <laughs> one, right. One year, one year seems like a long time when you're in your t- early twenties. Right. Exactly. I'm like, we can't wait until the fall for revival. God. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. I think that's one of the things I wanted to help to in envisioning younger leaders is that the call God's put on your life is real. Well, really it's eternal. Like what you're doing now in this life is actually, you're, you're going to live forever. So first of all, like it's going to be much longer, but, but secondly, it's going to take probably most likely if it's a big thing, if it's a lifelong calling, it's going to take longer than you think. It may even be generational, multi-generational mm-hmm. and just like shifting into that mindset that we're going to kind of outlast folks. We're going to, we're going to do this for a long time was really transformational for me. And the stories in the Bible started popping all the details I hadn't noticed before. Like Joseph has a dream. It's like the dream says nothing about you're going to be sold into slavery and in prison. You know, the dream is just, Hey, your, your mom and dad are, and your brothers and sisters are going to bow down to you. And then it takes many, many years, you know, where he's just suffering and going through the worst kind of degradation and, and pain, you know, and then finally he's elevated in a moment. The story of Abraham, how many, you know, it's, it's, it's a long journey over well over 20 years to seeing the start of the fulfillment of what God promised him. And then really, you know, the whole of what God promised him is still unfolding. And so I think those things, as I went through this myself, the stuff in the scripture started to to really open up to me. I'm like, oh, yeah, it takes like two paragraphs to tell this story, but this is like 10 years of real real time living it out. Right. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's so good. Hey, I, I want to touch on one other topic here before we wrap up. In, in the subtitle for your book, you, you talk about mourning for the return of Jesus, that part of 10 days prayer movement is a movement that's mourning for the return of Jesus. And that's a little bit of an unusual phrase for most people. Uh, you and I have talked before about this idea of the dance and the dirge. You know, Jesus kind of uh, used this, this language talking about himself and John the Baptist. And I've been a part of sort of real heavy worship, rejoicing kind of prayer expressions, sometimes out in public in tents and that kind of thing. And 10 Days has been more focused on repentance 
and I don't think somber is not quite the, the right word, but there has been this sense of dance and dirge. And we've talked before about how both of those are right and biblical, and we've all embraced all those things at times just with different emphasis. But it's funny because my book that's coming out on the same day as yours is called Enjoying Prayer. And so there's this theme of joy and sort of a dance to it. And then in your book, uh, you've got the word mourning literally in the subtitle of the book. So we've kind of even got the dance and the dirge in our books that's coming out. But yeah, maybe talk about that. Why did you use that terminology and why is that important? Yeah, I don't. I just don't think it's fair that you get to be Mr. Joy and I have to be Mr. <laughs> Morning. Um, so I'm going to just talk to the boss about that a little bit. But uh, <laughs> the the reason for it is that in just kind of the download God gave me about 10 days is he used the word mourning. And it was kind of a mystery. He said, Babylon refuses to mourn, but my people will mourn before I return. And I think biblically, when God gives us something that's kind of mysterious or cryptic, or we don't understand it right away, the purpose of that kind of speech is that you would seek it out. And it certainly led me to seek out, well, God, what do you mean your people will mourn before you return. What do you even mean by that? What I think it means, I think it means a number of things, but primarily the primary meaning is mourning is about what we've lost or what we lack. And so I think during these 10 days, God wants his bride to realize that Jesus is not here and to miss him and to long for him and to mourn for him. That's what Matthew 9.15 talks about, that when the bridegroom is taken away, then they will fast, then they will mourn. And so that's why 10 days is a fast. That's why it's on these specific days that point to and prophesy about the return of the Lord, the fall feast, is because it's focused on watching, waiting, and mourning for the return of Jesus You know, it's just this dynamic in the kingdom, and it's similar to the dynamic we've talked about, about taking the low seat, and then God will exalt you. But it's that what we ask for and what we long for and desire, those are the things that we receive. So it's like if you don't Mm. know you're missing it, you're not asking for it. If you're not asking for it, you're not getting it. And so in that sense, I think God wants the church, even as Babylon is like, I'm going to exalt myself. You know, I'm never going to see mourning. I'm going to just luxuriate and enjoy. And it's going to be awesome. I love my own kingdom that I've made. While this is happening, while Babylon is doing this, unfortunately, she's getting ready to get hit with double judgment. But while that's happening, God's people are saying, no, I do not want to live here. I do not want to live in this evil age. I want to live under the rule of King Jesus, and I miss him so much. He's been gone too long. Nothing is going to be right until he's here. Mm. And that cry from us, I believe, is part of the dynamic around the Lord's return, that we're crying out, come, Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit's empowering this prayer. The Spirit and the bride are saying, come, Lord Jesus. And so that is what I hope, too, this book will help release, is that Mm. cry in the people of God for the return of Jesus. It's not weird to pray for the return of Jesus. In fact, it's 
just what he told us to pray in the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. But that's what I'm hoping will, one of the things that'll be released. Because ultimately, sin, death, pain, sorrow, all these things are going to continue. These things that grieve us, that make us mourn, are going to continue until he comes. Right. I love that. So good, man. And just to be clear, there's plenty of joy in your book. And I've got a, cha- <laughs> I've got a chapter on fasting in my book. So, you know. <laughs> yeah, I'm just, I'm just teasing you. Yeah, there's, yes, there's, there's plenty of fun stuff in the book as well. Yes, and I'm, yes. I'm sure all, there's a lot of funny things too in the book. Tried to make it as, as fun a read and just you know, poke fun at myself as much as possible. Yeah. Uh, so hopefully yeah. people enjoy it. For sure. And I think the two books will complement each other and supplement each other very well. And we'll have all the info for how to get copies of these books and connected with Presence Pioneers Media. We'll have all that down in the description wherever you're tuning in today. So anything else, Jonathan? I think we're going to have a special where people can get kind of like a special deal if they buy both books. Yeah, so I, I think so. So we'll have all that in the description. <laughs> And, uh, and you can, you can figure that out. We're recording this in advance, so we don't totally know yet, but by faith, by the time we post this and you're listening or watching this, there will be a way to get the books. Awesome. This was fun, Jonathan. Thanks a lot, Matthew.